The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, it's 15 after 10 o'clock. Let's get into our first conversation uh, for this hour. And we're joined by Sunette van Veengard, who is uh, the head of First for Women Insurance. And we're looking today at a survey, a survey that they have conducted, particularly uh, looking at women in entrepreneurship. Sunette, good morning to you and thank you for your time today. Kathy, and thanks for having me. It's perhaps appropriate that we have this conversation on International Women's Day. Uh, before we get into, you know, the survey that, that you have conducted, generally as an insurance company, you know, first for women, you were, were always clear about who your target um, mm-hmm. in, in, in this particular sector is. And I wonder, what are some of the key trends that you would say you've been able to learn and to study about women just more generally uh, having started this insurance body and again having to deal day to day with some of the issues that women are facing? Good question, Kathy. And, and you know what, all the research that we've done on First Women right from the beginning and identifying our target market, it was quite clear and that is why till to, this, to this day our purpose is to Ultimately, through every product, through every process we design, that we make sure that we inspire confidence in women because um, we know we need to help and uplift them to be confident about themselves and then making the right conf- confident um, financial decisions, standing up for themselves in their communities um, and speaking out for all women out there and really building a, a sisterhood um, that can support each other from day to day. Mm. When we talk about this latest survey then that mm-hmm. you have uh, undertaken, what was the purpose of the survey? So the purpose of the survey was really to understand, um, you know, is there trends happening in, in, our, in our country around women specifically, um, you know, venturing out, starting their own businesses? Um, and it was really clear in, in, in the feedback from, from our female customers and non-customers that absolutely, um, you know, that is what they are doing. And it's really not because, you know, they have a burning passion um, to become entrepreneurs, but it, 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 it boils down to the fact that there's definitely a lack of opportunities for women still to this day as a result of, you know, the bias towards appointing men over women um, in, in, in companies or in, in businesses. It's, it's interesting to me because part of what this survey has revealed, in fact, is that women are more likely than men to choose mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. Uh, and so does that effectively mean that from those participant, participants that you surveyed, that even those that were perhaps entrepreneurs were not entrepreneurs because it was their first choice, but because yep. they felt that this is what they needed to do in order to be able to put bread on the table? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when, when we looked at the data that we received back, it was clear that, you know, almost half of the respondents felt that that is what they needed to do in order to, um, you know, to, to your point, to, to put bread on the table or to, you know, provide better for their families, um, simply because there was just not the same opportunity as their men um, counterparts in a nine to five job. 
And I want us to look at the findings specifically there when it comes to the nine to five, mm-hmm. uh, five jobs. So 48% uh, of respondents finding that they don't get the same opportunities as as men. Absolutely. And, and you know, Kathy, it really is to this day, um, you know, we, we're sitting with bias towards women, uh, still a fundamental belief, um, and it comes from patriarchal um, legacy around believing that women cannot do the same jobs or excluded from certain positions simply because they are women. Um, and it's sad, but, you know, it, it is a reality, and it's not only in, in this country. It really is across the world. Um I think in, in the years they're making better inroads, but but we've got a very long way to go. Um, and that is why the theme this year is um, breaking the bias on, on this International Women's Day. Mm. Uh, we're going to get more into some of the findings of this research. We're in conversation with Sunette van Veengaard. She's the head of First for Women Insurance, and we're looking at a survey that they have conducted around women in entrepreneurship. And, you know, the figures, 46% of women saying that they chose entrepreneurship because uh, they lack better opportunities. 48%, as you've heard, saying that uh, they feel they don't have the same opportunities to men in a nine-to-five job. 93% of respondents uh, saying that they have ambitions of uh, being an, an entrepreneur. So, Ned, talk to me about that. Again, this idea of being a girl boss or an entrepreneur, those ambitions, uh, how much of that do you think is also tied to... Um, you know, the imaging that ha- that we have now in, in social media, that when women are leaders, of course, how they position the narrative about it is that this is something that people should aspire to. Do you think that that is changing the, the conversation and the perceptions of women about being in those high-powered positions? Oh, without a doubt. And we know, you know, the power and the influence that social media can have on, mm. on um, you know, on society in general. Um, and, you know, sometimes we, we um, want to shoot down social media because of all the negative, um, you know, perceptions and messages that's out there. Um, but in this case, I mean, if it is something as simple as a social post that can inspire someone um, to go out there to follow those dreams and, and, you know, bring those ideas into a business and actually build uh, a better future for, for that, that woman, her family. Um, why not? Absolutely. Let's support her. And I think some of the best advice, you know, for, for um, women out there is to, to support each other fellow, um, like I, I always talk about, a tribe or a sisterhood, but ultimately, um, you know, we need to support every single um, girl out there, every single woman out there, um, in whichever small way we can to, to build those um, businesses or to become those bosses that they want to um, ultimately, like I said, a, mm. a society that looks after the, the, the girls and, and the women um, are building a better economy collectively without uh, a doubt. Yeah. I'd really love to hear from uh, our female, female listeners uh, as well on on this issue. You know, are you one of those that again chose to start a business as a result of the situation that you were confronted with 
And how has that journey gone? What has been your experience as a female entrepreneur? Uh, you can dial us in on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line. It's 614 on Twitter at SFM Radio. The hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. Of course, Sunet, one of the, the other issues that comes up is it's that, you know, it's great to have uh, this high number of, of, of women that want to be entrepreneurs. But if they're doing it because they feel compelled to do it, it then leads us to the, to the conversation of what do people do when they do then become entrepreneurs? So what kind of businesses are women starting up or would they like to start up? So, in our respondents and the feedback they gave us, it was very interesting because it, it really um, it stretches it across very different sectors and a variety of sectors. Um, interestingly enough, 30% said, um, you know, they would love to pursue an opportunity as a social media influencer. Um, 27% said um, content creator or a business consultant. Um, and then there's definitely those um, most interesting to do or interested to go into the food industry, online businesses was highlighted. Um, and then in the other categories, there was really some, some traditionally assumed female um, businesses like mm. beauty salons, but also interesting, you know, women saying um, they would love to do coding lessons for kids. And, um, you know, so it, it really, as you can see, it's across different sectors. It's not very, you know, just, in, in one area, um, yeah, so it's exciting. It's exciting for me to know that, that women are, you know, out there and willing to go out across sectors and build businesses. Uh, I'm also seeing here that um, the, there were others who were also talking about becoming taxipreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, and do you, yeah. do you have any differentiator in terms of what that would be? Are we talking about e-hailing services? Because we have seen that, uh, you know, e-hailing services tend to lend themselves more uh, to perhaps incoming of, of, of female entrepreneurship and female leaders uh, than your traditional taxi industry mm-hmm. in a country like South Africa. Definitely. And yes, it definitely talks about e-hailing services, um, mm. Kathy. And I think, um, why not? It, it's probably um, one of those um, industries or sectors where I cannot see for a second why a woman would not be able to have a very successful, um, you know, um, business out there in the e-hailing um, service sector. Um, and rightfully so. Um, I do also think, you know, we always talk about and, and, and we know, um, you know, that these services are, are sometimes in the in the media for all the wrong reasons about women, unfortunately, you know, having bad experiences mm. when using these services. So um, I'm definitely supporting, you know, women who want to go in that, in, into that industry because why not? I would definitely, if I have an opportunity to choose, I would definitely choose a woman to, mm. to come and pick me up. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Because there are all those issues of, of safety and we, t- we tend to downplay them. But, um, you know, every time you get into an e-hailing vehicle as a woman, mm-hmm. you are so mindful of, of what has happened to other women in that space. And so it, it, it's, it's such a big one for women as well. All right. I'm going to go to the phone lines quickly. Let me take Anonymous. Anonymous, you're calling us from Johannesburg. Good morning. 
Yes, thank you, Katie. Yes. And thank you to your um, visitor. Mm. I am so happy that there is this program today uh, representing women. And I uh, would like to invite SAFM. I would like to invite President Ramaphosa. I would like to invite um, Dr. Futim Toba, Dr. Precious Moloi Mutete, and Dr. Um, Pumzile Mlambo, especially you, 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 you played that uh, clip mm. relating to Dr. Pumzile Mlambo about women. Because I'm one of the women who've been oppressed since 2004 in terms of different projects because I refuse to be corrupt. Mm. And I'm happy that there is the anti-corrupt um, program for under uh, President Ramaphosa. And one of the first things that I would invite and, and challenge uh, President Ramaphosa so that we see if really I am a jobless woman, I am a homeless woman, I, for, for many, many years, I, I survived by be, uh, being helped by people. So does my kind of thinking as oppressed woman, I wanted to, to, to wait to see if really I am that dumb to, to be employed or that, that dumb for, for, for the project, because the projects have been blocked, even those that are under the government. If I don't write, then they will block it. Uh, even the, the, the government owes me. So in terms of, let's first make an example, in terms of the decision of, 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 the, of the JC, my understanding of the mandate that was given, remember I said I'm not that educated and I'm jobless. My kind of understanding in terms of um, the, 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 the decision uh, who, who, of the panel, my understanding is that of the mandate, my understanding is that the, the, mandate, the, the panel members were supposed to interview the members, all four of them, independently and make a, an independent decision which could be put in, in the ballot paper to recommend to Ramaphosa not to decide on his behalf or they decide and then they oppress whoever because within those uh, members of the panel, there's a possibility that there was a minority interest because in South Africa, minority interests are supposed to be heard. So if you just send one decision, what does that mean? It, it shows how. If that is happening at that level, what about us? My understanding is that they were supposed to all uh, interview and then uh, recommend putting a ballot for president to look at all of those and be able to understand openly. And also, I hope that uh, Ramaphosa, President Ramaphosa has a budget for new correctional facilities. And also you rewrite the history of South Africa uh, by using one part of Robin Island so that the, those who were looting, especially those who were looting uh, very high amounts of money, mm. can be put in Robben Island, whereby where people have to pay to visit them. So the only site is, is, for, is, for, is for tourism, and at the same time, it's making money, and be, even the things that will be sending, they can be scanned. Okay. No, 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 cor- All right. no corruption. All right, Anonymous, mm-hmm. we're going to have to leave it there. Anonymous out in Johannesburg, and I think uh, part of the initial point she was raising was around the barriers that women themselves face uh, when they are in, in that space, when they are entrepreneurs, and what it is that they have to deal with. I'll take more of your calls after the latest 1030 News headlines. 
The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Suneta Van Vanguard, head of First for Women Insurance, joining us on the latest survey that they've conducted looking at what perhaps is some of the reasoning that women become entrepreneurs and also the extent to which they feel that they have access to the marketplace. What are some of the barriers, the challenges that they face? And I did say that I'd love to hear from you in terms of some of your own stories. Uh, this research has revealed that women... Uh, choose 48% of women choose entrepreneurship not because it's something that they love but because they feel that that they need to go that route because of a lack of opportunities um, that they don't have access to the same kind of opportunities when it comes to nine to five jobs as men which is also in and of itself a concern so Sunet is still on the line let me go to Bula you're calling us from Durban good morning Hi, Kathy. I love your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Bula. Hello, Bula. Yeah, it just broke for a minute. Yes, yeah, yes. Sorry you're, ba- sorry, you're back on the line. Go for it. All right. So I just wanted to make a point about social entrepreneurship. Mm. I know it's not exactly the topic, but I think it came into being as a concept more than 30 years ago. And... Uh, when an, an organization called Ashoka went around finding people who take into hand a social cause, because that's all that entrepreneur means in French, take into hand a social cause and then do something about it. Because so many people in our country feel passionate about social causes. And that's just the kind of country South Africa is. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to put that back on the agenda as a point of hope for people in South Africa who are not feeling very hopeful at the moment. I consider myself a serial entre- uh, social entrepreneur, not immensely successful or anything, but I have moved from adult literacy to animal rights to whatever I felt was the, the cause that needed to be supported. What I want to say is that it is possible to earn some money out of these sorts of causes by applying sort of uh, savvy ideas, strategic ideas, business ideas to a social cause. What I sort of resent which has happened over the last 20 years Mm. is that the term entrepreneurship has been taken over by business schools in South Africa and the government and all kinds of people who who only push it as like a means of making money and yes we have to all get up in the morning I mean I do have for 20 years I've tried to work you know on my own to make it um, not for having not applied for many, many jobs and for the reasons that you'll have stated on the show, possibly not uh, getting it. But also some people don't want to work for other people because mm-hmm. of integrity matters and all of that. So I really just wanted a call to say um, there's still a lot of scope in social entrepreneurship. In South Africa, we are not supported. So it's a difficult, it's difficult terrain. It was difficult terrain 20 years ago, difficult terrain 10 years ago, and it continues to be, you know, with wars and pandemics, uh, a, a really tough a place for women social entrepreneurs to work but I want to you know put that there aside Sideways, just alongside entrepreneurship. You know, Bula, when it comes to social entrepreneurship, I think what I've seen, especially in the last 10 to 15 years, is that there's been a a shift in the focus in terms of how then you gauge the success of a a social entrepreneur. And oftentimes it's in monetary terms, right? And um, I I was seeing the the other day that Gibbs actually now offers a course on social entrepreneurship and how to uh, monetize, you know, 
whatever work that that it is that that you want to do and it can be such a difficult thing because often these are passion projects that people are undertaking and yet on the most sophisticated level you see this working as machinery that brings in millions of of not even rands of dollars into certain entities yeah i i think that a lot of people are making a lot of money out of training yeah. and teaching things that... Uh, I, in fact, funny you mentioned Gibbs. I co-authored the first book on social entrepreneurship with them. Oh, did you? To, oh, fantastic. Yes, from dust to diamond. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think that was in 2008 or so. Yeah. And it's a lovely book on, on uh, social entrepreneurs in Gauteng, uh, 19 of them who have made different concepts come mm. about, like Garth Jaffet and... Um, yeah. So I, I would be wary. I would be wary uh, as a student going into such things because I think that all training institutions, you know, are doing this kind of work. But out there, there aren't really that many opportunities. And even if there are, there is not the support for it. Mm-hmm. As we know from all of your other shows, all of the shows on corruption or on dwindling systems failure. So you can, you know, you, you can say that there are all these opportunities and this is what you can do and you become a social entrepreneur. But you can't really unless you have really, you're really strong and you do have some networks. And I think, I mean, I'd love to help young people uh, do this, but we, you know, we, we can, it's hard work. Mm. It's really hard work. But oh. we still have to, I mean, the point is we still have to carry on. Right? We have, have to persevere. We have to have hope. So my latest uh, incarnation is as a life coach and as a social um as a, as a um, spiritual accompaniment, because I think that that's what people need. They need a spiritual friend mm. to help them through these times. Oh, Bula, thank you so much for calling in. And you're certainly giving us uh, homework in terms of maybe having more conversations around a so- social entrepreneurship, because I think you have a lot of social entrepreneurs in South Africa. But again, it's about what is being done in the informal space and how that is also recognized formally. Um, and, and there's so much I imagine you would have to say about that too. Uh, but let's leave it there. Thank you so much uh, for calling in, Buna. Uh, Sunet van Vengard, the head of First uh, for Women Insurance, is still on the line. Sunet, I don't know if you want to add anything to that before we get to uh, the last part of this conversation, because I want us to look at South Africa comparatively with other countries when it comes to startups that are, are women-owned businesses. Um, thanks, Cassie. Yeah, I think some some really interesting comments from your your previous um, caller, um, and and I actually also uh, made a note on on social entrepreneurship and, and to go and read a little bit about that and see you know where are the the nooks and crannies and and you know where are the opportunities um, for for women in this country to maybe you know pursue something in in that um, area. Um, it's always wonderful to you know to learn more and and unlock some potential that's out there and that that we might have overseen previously. Mm. When we look at then, you know, startups that are women owned and what Mm -hmm. they're contributing to the economy, run us through some of those figures. Like I said, we look at a country like the U.S. where they have um, their fastest growing segment is, you know, women startups. Where does South Africa sit in, in comparison? We, we're not where the U.S. is, definitely not. So in, in comparison with the U.S. in South Africa, it's only at 19.4% of businesses that's owned by women. Um, and this was research done by the Development Economics. I think 
um, you know, however, when you look at the statistics and the projections that um, Development Economics, um, you know, published uh, around women-owned businesses that's been established between 2018 and 22, um, it, it's really so encouraging, and, and that's why you know shows like yours, Kathy, is so important to to really inspire women out there to go out and and pursue opportunities um, and and you know build their own businesses. Because the projection is that we can can get 175 billion rand a year from from these um, businesses, um, and I think what's most encouraging for me is the fact that. These businesses um, can potentially create 972,000 jobs. And I think in a country where um, unemployment is so high, um, you know, over and above the individual starting that own business, what they are doing for that community and giving other people jobs are, are just so encouraging. Sunet, let's leave it there for this morning. Let me thank you for your time. Uh, Sunet van Vengard, Head of First for Women Insurance. And one would certainly, uh, you know, hope that more and more women are supported when they undertake the journey of entrepreneurship or even social entrepreneurship. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, what we have seen historically is that there's a lot of lip service paid to it. But the reality Uh, on the ground is that there isn't this move to support women, at least not to the extent that it is spoken about, particularly from uh, a government perspective. And I think also when we look at the private sector, so a lot more work then needs to be done there. All right, we'll take a quick break. I'm back with some of your WhatsApp voice notes. And then uh, we'll also take a look at the regional development zone in Richards Bay.